Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. I'm here tonight with my beautiful wife, Marisha. Hey, everybody. And we're going to talk about Project Luminous. Yes, we are indeed. So it finally dropped. Um, I mean, just like your... What what would be your one-word description of how you felt about... Hmm, that's an excellent question. Um, one word? Only one? You can use more than one word. Okay. Just your, like, your, your My initi- initial feelings on the whole thing. I'm optimistic. I... I was kind of hoping it was going to be earlier. Um, I was hoping we were going to get something a little more old Republic, a little more isn't going to have any connections to our story. But I think that, I mean, 200 years isn't that long. You know, clearly a lot of events are kind of going to be setting the stage for the world that we see in the existing canon which is fine, but I hoped we were going to be able to have a sandbox that was going to basically be so far back that it's not going to have any repercussions. Yeah, I get that. And I, I actually have some concerns. Um, just to jump in, if you haven't seen Ozar, if you're listening to our show, you're already familiar with Project Luminous and um, the the stuff that was dropped last night, the... Um, the High Republic era, Star Wars, the High Republic, right? That's what they Star Wars, the High Republic. Uh, we do know that it's going to be released in phases. Right. At least that's, that's, at least one source had that, that it will be released in phases. And the first phase is The Light of the Republic. Right. Which th- is also the title of Charles, Charles Soule's book. book. Right. So I'm liking a lot of the stuff I see, but but it does say that 200 years. I, I've seen some of the sources depends on who wrote it. Some are saying 200 years. Some are saying hundreds of years. Right. Which StarWars.com said 200 years before the events of the Phantom Menace. Right. They're pretty specific, and I, they're probably the uh, best informed of the sources. If I had yeah. to venture a guess. Yeah, well, I mean, there were plenty of other good sources there. I mean, that was a big. It was a media event. Right. Right. So they all got firsthand knowledge, and probably whoever wrote the StarWars.com article probably found out at the same time. But. I'm excited. I'm always happy to get new books. I don't know if Mm -hmm. these books are ever going to have a thing to do with movies or TV shows or games or anything. But Which is fine. I like me some Star Wars books. Well, they wanted to create, they wanted to attempt to recreate the same type of feeling that surrounded uh, Lucasfilm Publishing. Right. Back in the day. Back in the day when... Timothy Zahn started it all. Right. I, I do find, I'm actually a little disappointed. That Timothy Zahn isn't on that list? That they're going, we wanted to recreate that that feeling of the original Lucasfilm Star Wars publishing. Without the original Lucasfilm Star Wars author. Right. I would say that's my biggest disappointment of the whole thing, yep. is that Timothy Zahn is not involved in this. I mean, maybe he's busy. He's he's seems pretty involved in the whole Chiss thing right now. He is, and I mean, he's also writing other books. I mean, he does more than Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's he writes a lot of science fiction stuff, but I don't know. There's just something about moving this direction without him that just seems wrong. Um, it seems it. it it doesn't really seem like any of the big authors from back in the day are, are, are any of the writers currently on the old no. writers who created that. I mean, the thing no, is there the- are none of the uh, no, no Christy Golden, no Michael Stackpole, no um, Timothy Zahn, no Kevin J. Anderson, like none of the originals are in- involved here. I don't understand why not. I mean, some of those people are still writing. For Star Wars, why? Some of those a... people haven't been invited back to write a Star Wars book. That's true. Some of them is a bit salty. Yeah. Um, and some of them need to be brought back to write a Star Wars book. Yes. for sh- Especially if they're trying, they've decided, we're going to do books for a while. Why wouldn't you try and court some of the people 
who were such fans of of the EU. Yeah. By bringing in some of their favorite Star Wars writers. Now, that being said, Claudia Gray, mm-hmm. Charles Soule, and Kevin Scott are all fantastic Star Wars writers. Oh, de- definitely not knocks against any of the people who are on the 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 panel because they they seem to be I mean great additions. I just would have liked to have seen some of the old yeah. authors now, as well. I do think that I'll get into this in a minute. But Timothy Zahn is like you said working on his own thing. Right. I I guess I'll go ahead and say get into this a little bit. I think a big part of what this is but is I have complained and complained that some of the, especially the books leading up to films, mm-hmm. have felt way too restricted. Right. Like the authors had no freedom to tell a story. Right. Um, I really, like Resistance Reborn, I just hated it. And I hated it even more after the, after movie. the movie. Right. But I don't think that it was necessarily the writer's fault. Mm-hmm. I, I think that she was incredibly hemmed in by the story. And I think the story kept moving. After she had already written her book. She was hemmed in and was not given any information of what was going to happen next. Right. It was like, write a story that follows this last story. Also, we won't tell you anything about the the next chapter. So I will say, like, you know, I didn't I didn't enjoy there were a lot of things about the book I didn't like, but it it should not it it, it had very vague at best, connections to the rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that being said, what I'm getting at is that the writers have way too many constraints. Right. So when they talk about recreating that original publishing, Lucasfilm publishing feeling, mm-hmm. it was the Wild West of storytelling. You had a few constraints. Right. And then you got to create worlds and characters, and just tell your stories. Right. And so th- that being said, Timothy Zahn is already found himself... A place to do that. A place in Star Wars to do that, I think. Yep. So it might be that this, this is phase one. Like, right. It might be that by the time they get ready to roll out the second phase... We've got Chiss that, going on. We've well, got the, it might be time by the time he rolls that out, he's going to be done with his trilogy. Right. I kind of suspect he's written at least two of the books. Yep. And he might have already written the third. Right. So by the time they're ready to move into phase two, maybe they bring in Timothy Zahn. Maybe right. they bring in Christy Golden. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to wait and see. I, I do think that there are, there's more going on here. There were some other publishers, uh, Titan, Viz, Abrams, Insight Editions, B&M, and DK were all listed as additional publishers to what we already found out about. That means we're getting visual guides mm-hmm. um, and visual encyclopedias, that kind of stuff. Right. A lot more stuff coming than what they've announced. Yeah. This is what they announced were the key components. For for the beginning. The beginning right. of the kind of the long term project. And I mean, like I said, I'm excited to see what they come out with. And I really I'm optimistic. I think that they've got they've got some potential for some really interesting stories. Right. To be told. And uh, and I don't mean by, by complaining, making these complaints, I don't mean to sound like I'm not excited. I, I'm, I'm very excited about new material. I am going to go ahead and get my other gripe out of the way because I do have one more gripe, and I've actually touched on it a little bit on this show, mm-hmm. is that 200 years is nothing in our what we have always known as the Star Wars timeline. Mm-hmm. We're talking about going back to the the High Republic era when ev- when everything was at its peak. I find it very unbelievable that the Republic was at its height two hundred years before its collapse. Right to see the state of the Republic, the state of the Jedi, and knowing that this went back when we say a thousand generations. I mean, we're talking lots inc- of years, incredibly long time, especially when you consider yep. if you want to consider on, even on the short end, if you're going to say a generation is 10 years. Right. And, and a generation is not 10 years. That's a micro generation. Mm-hmm. Generation is more like 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. sometimes more. So I feel like I'm a little concerned that we're we're only going back 200 years. Right. I'm afraid that someone is trying to tighten the timeline up and that we're going to wind up with this galaxy that's not in this republic that's not nearly as old as we've been told. as we've already as we've always believed mm-hmm. um and and they did say in this and they're one of the things that they based this concept on what they wanted to go back to was obi-wan's statement about a thousand generations right which makes me really unsure why they went back 200 years and it makes me really afraid that this is someone who because i hear people all the time misquote what Obi-Wan said and say for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Well, a thousand years and a thousand generations is very different. Right. For sure. I'm really, I mean, we know the, the, the old Republic, the Knights of the old Republic games. I mean, those were like 3000 years before right. the original trilogy. Right. Now it may be a part of what they're wanting to do is set this in its own time. Right. And give it its place where it doesn't overlap with anything else that's going on. And that's something they talked about. Right. Um, at the at the event last night. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that's great. But I, like I said, you know, just kind of being a student of history and when you when you're gonna take this republic and say it's tens of thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. 200 years I don't I don't buy that it got went from its height right because that's what we're claiming we're we're the high republic now granted the high republic era might have stretched for 2000 years right well in- this may be the the back end of the high republic era but lucas already talked about we were seeing the end of that the the last vestiges of the Republic in the Phantom Menace. Right. We were kind of seeing its kind of death throes. Right. So, I don't know. It's a minor gripe at this point. Well, there is also a possibility, though, that they're placing this here because they're planning to do movies or TV shows or something else set back in the Old Republic. Because I noticed they're calling it High Republic, not Old Republic. And I think they're doing that for a reason. I, I agree with that. And like I said, this is a minor gripe that might not mean a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I see more, I kind of wish that they would start laying us out a, t- a real timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is the old Republic? Or, or I mean, the thing is, we have no mentions of the old Republic really in canon currently. Except for... Again, Obi-Wan's statement, we're the guardians of peace and justice for a thousand generations in the old republic. Right. Before the dark times. Yeah. So so that's Empire. so that's our, our mention there. And and even that yeah. that statement from Obi-Wan is a little As a matter of your point of view. <laughs> it's a little vague once he throws the the um before the Empire right. line on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Let's just jump right in. Let's start with the books. Like, what book are you excited for? I mean, I think I'm mostly, the one I'm most likely to, well, obviously the one that releases first, but the one that I'm, I think, most interested in is Charles Soule's book. I, I think Charles Soule's book is intended to be the cornerstone mm-hmm. uh, of this era. Um, I don't know. I mean, it may be that a different writer may take up that, key piece mm-hmm. book each in each era. Uh, because this is actually relatively small. It's actually the only, there's a regular novel, there's a young adult novel, mm-hmm. and a, um, I guess an 8 to 12 book would be considered a junior novel. I think so, yeah. They've got one or two um, well, there's for, a junior, for kids. There's a junior novel, mm-hmm. and then there's a... And ID, IDW is doing a continuing comic book run that's going to be there. Uh, Kevin Scott is writing the High Republic comic book series, an ongoing comic series, and then Daniel Jose Older is doing the High Republic Adventures, which is going to be an ongoing comic series geared more towards kids. Okay, all right. Which uh, I assume it's going to have younger characters. 
and, and you right. know, just to be more relatable. Mm-hmm. So the books we have announced right now, like I said, we have one novel, uh-huh. one young adult novel, a junior novel, mm-hmm. and two comic book series. I'm most excited, I think, for the Kevin Scott, I'm sorry, for the Charles Soule book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also very excited for pretty much anything Claudia Gray writes. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know when the release on some of these books is. Mm-hmm. I know the first one is going to drop at Celebration in August. Uh, it looks like Claudia Gray's book is October. Okay. October 13th, which actually puts it one week after. No, nope, that's not the right note. Uh, puts it two weeks after the release of Thrawn Ascendancy. Ah, okay. Which they bumped back, bumped way back, and I still don't understand why they bumped that back. It seems like right now would be a great time to drop it because there's nothing. Yeah. Well, initially I thought maybe they wanted to push it back because they wanted to separate it from the High Republic stuff. Right, but they're dropping it. But right they're in dropping the it right in the middle of that. So, I I don't know. There has to be some reason they pushed it back, but it bugs me that they pushed it back to after Celebration. And after Dragon Con, which is more to the point for us. For us, that's, yeah, way more to the point, because that's when we'll actually get to... Assuming you know, Timothy Zahn's going to do Dragon Con the weekend after Celebration. It's on his... It's, he's on the list. Is he? Okay. Yeah, so presumably he's Well, he coming. knows when Celebration he's is. A, he's a Dragon Con staple, but I guess we'll, we'll start off with Charles Soule's book. Uh, 200 years before the events of Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, in the era of the glorious High Republic, the noble and wise Jedi Knights face a frightening threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the Force itself. Space Vikings. Apparently. (laughs) Um, So apparently someone asked the question, what frightens the Jedi? Or what would frighten a Jedi? And apparently what they came up with was more or less space Vikings, which... So one of the things they've talked about is that they want to go... We want to see... They want to see characters, these Jedi that are out there patrolling, kind of patrolling the frontiers of the Republic. Right. You know, the Republic is not... It do, You know, we think about the Republic and we don't always consider the fact that it doesn't cover everything out there. Like, it has its borders, Right. And these these Jedi are kind of out there patrolling the frontiers and, and watching for threats. Right. To the Republic. Um, they compared them to the, the Texas Rangers, uh, which, you know. Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris is apparently going to be a Jedi. That's what I heard. That's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I said what I said. <laughs> We're going to be introduced to these new villains mm-hmm. called the Nihil. And I don't know if that is any relation of any way, shape, or form to Darth Nihilus himself. Hmm. There was in the feed last night a photo that ran across of Nihilus. Uh huh. Yeah, but there was really no context for it. That there I was could... zero context for that photo. In fact, to me, that would actually, like, 200 years is way too recent for Nihilus to show up. Unless they're like some sort Cultist. of cult. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sort of like the Exegol people who, who, ha, ha, who, who, ha, ha, <laughs> except for Darth Nihilus instead of the Emperor. <laughs> That's what I heard. Isn't that what you heard? <laughs> Shark bait. Shark- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we do get these new villains. What do you think about the new, the concepts of the new villains? Now, in addition to the villains that we saw, we saw some kind of pictures, these kind of uh, punk rock looking. Yeah. They're they're a little bit Mad Max. Yeah, so far the, the descriptive words that I've heard for the villains are Vikings, Punk Rock, and Mad Max. So I'm really yeah. not sure exactly what to expect. Like the Reavers, but a little I, less, right? you know, demented maybe. Well, yeah, I mean the Reavers were, uh, they had they had other issues. Yeah, <laughs> other issues. They were, they were created that way. Right, but who's to say that the Nylons or whatever we're calling them—that they're not corrupted by mm-hmm. the, dark the dark side, side. of the force or, right. or something—to be that, um, possibly. Maybe they're we clones. also had some concept art of some like kind of creepy-looking, real, dis- you know, distorted creator, 
not really fleshed out creatures drawings mm-hmm. that that made me wonder exactly what all is in play here. So mm-hmm. I, I'm excited about that. And, you know, introducing new villains. You know, the fact <clears throat> there's no carryover of those villains 200 years later means we already kind of know. How it ends. How it ends, which yeah. is a shame to go into this brand new era right. and already know that they're going to defeat this enemy. Right, which is another reason why I think it would be great to have gone back 5,000 years. I mean, because you can do whatever. I mean, it, anyway. Right. Unless this unless this new enemy is part of what causes the Jedi to begin to change. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess it's all... it's. Not necessarily, enemies don't always have to be defeated. Sometimes enemies can be assimilated. So maybe eventually they sort of make some kind of truce and they join the Republic. You know, we it doesn't have to necessarily end with them being annihilated. True. All right, so the next book we're going to talk about is going to be Claudia Gray's book, which, of course, I am... Claudia Gray has written no bad Star Wars books. Right. They've all been good. They've mm-hmm. all been on point. And they're probably, of of the Star Wars books that are out there, the ones that, as a fan of the EU, they're the ones that compare most favorably with the feelings of the expanded universe. Okay. Uh, they're the ones that I would say are carry that torch mm-hmm. the best. Um, so she's writing a book. I'm just going to read the description of it. Uh, Padawan Reith Silas is being sent from the cosmopolitan galactic capital of Coruscant to the undeveloped frontier, and he couldn't be less happy about it. He'd rather stay at the Jedi Temple, study the archives, but when the ship he's traveling on is knocked out of hyperspace in a galactic-wide disaster... Reith finds himself the center of the action. The Jedi and their traveling companions find refuge on what appears to be an abandoned space station. But then strange things start happening, leading the Jedi to investigate the truth behind the mysterious station, a truth that could end in tragedy. That's promising. Um, Like you said, she's she's been writing good Star Wars. Uh, Master and Apprentice is, you know, one of my favorites. Um, And I'm almost done with... Lost Stars, and I'm enjoying that as well. So. Did you read Bloodline? I don't know if this is the same. I know one of the comic books is going to center, I don't know if it's Kevin Scott's or the other or both, that are going to sort of center around a, um, a space station. Okay, right. I don't know if this is the same station or a different station. It sounds interesting. I mean, it, it couldn't be more vague. No. I mean, it's like, and here's our premise, which tells you nothing. Right. Which is fine. I, I don't like to be told. In fact, I was really kind of bummed out. I made the mistake of reading the back cover of Lost Stars about halfway into the book and was like, well, great. Thank you. I'm glad you just told me something that hasn't happened yet. Literally, they've got spoilers for, like, not the end of the book, but more than halfway into the book on the back of it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. That's not just a Star Wars book thing. That's just, I don't ever read the backs of books. I don't generally either. I just was, you know, happened to just glance at it and was like, well, shoot. Well, I guess I know what he does next. I think that the the book sounds like it, it should be interesting. It's a completely different character and kind of a different jet. Most of the Jedi we have studied so far would really rather be anywhere except the archives room. Right. Uh, so that you know, that's interesting in of itself that we've got this character who would rather just be studying. Right. We all know those people in real life. Yeah. Excited about it, and of course, that's going to be the young adult, you know, addition into right. into this new grouping of books. Mm-hmm. And which I guess technically that's that's just what Claudia Gray. That's that's kind of her thing. The other book is going to be. What I'm calling a junior novel may or may not be using the right descriptor there, but uh, it says age range 8 to 12. This one is called A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. When a transport ship is abruptly kicked out of hyperspace as part of a galaxy-wide disaster, newly minted teen Jedi, Vernestra Ruo, a young Jedi Padawan, 
an audacious tech kid and the son of an ambassador are stranded on a jungle moon where they must work together to survive both the dangerous terrain and a hidden danger lurking in the shadows. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out in this first book what this mysterious catastrophe is that they keep alluding right. to. I, I, they all seem to deal with the same event. It just seems to be different people at the mm-hmm. same kind of moment. So the, these two, at least those two books, will run parallel. It mm-hmm. may be that the other one leads up to the event. Yeah, maybe. That's what we've got. I don't really have a lot on the comic books. I'm sure it's out there. I, I couldn't really find a whole lot. We just know it's going to be an ongoing series set during the same time. Uh, I did hear that it involves a space station, so maybe it's the same space station. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, with a comic book, I'm sure we will involve a number of different characters. Yeah, and Daniel should be our, our person for that. I'm sure he'll have opinions about that. Now, Charles Soule typically writes comics, doesn't he? Charles Soule is and has been for the last couple of years Star Wars like comic book writer that he's been the comic book writer and i don't think that's going away he's writing the kylo ren series Mm -hmm. currently he's writing the new ongoing i don't know if he's the only writer on it but he's writing the new star wars series set between empire and jedi yes yes and of course that's just started so right so but i mean this is a novel that i'm this novel i'm sure is done it's been done oh yeah yeah. So I don't think him stepping aside to write this novel is going to affect him writing books elsewhere in the continuity. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, you know, it's just that we've kind of, they've kind of created this aside where they can really create new stuff. Which is great. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's one of the things we've needed. What do you think the odds are of seeing... A TV series, a Disney, you know, a Disney Plus series, whether it be live action or animated, set in this, or is this just a playground for the writers? I mean, if it's successful, I can't imagine they wouldn't eventually do something set here. But it would be interesting to see a TV show that was constrained by other media other than movies. You know, where basically they have to fit the TV show into the literary world as opposed to fit the literature into the TV world or movie, you know, the movies. Yeah. But I mean, I think if it's successful enough, I don't see any version of this where they don't, they've, you know, been very insistent that they don't have any planned TV or movie components to this. But I think it's naive to assume that if it's successful and that if people take well to it, that there won't eventually be. No, I mean, I think if it's successful and if you do a TV show, then you probably ups the odds of you doing a movie and mm-hmm. and also a video game down the road. Yeah. Now, see, the video, I really, there was just so much chatter about the video game that was supposed to be, you know, kind of in conjunction with this. But Okay, so... Nobody is going to announce something that big. If they're keeping that secret, there was no way they were going to let that out of the bag last night at a small press event. That's true. If they are indeed holding on to a video game, we will get it at E3. That's when Which all the when? big games that haven't shown us anything yet will be announced. E3 should be like early summer. I don't, my, I don't have my phone. June 7th. Okay, so, so if they have a game that's coming out this fall, if they've got a game coming out this year, it's definitely this fall. It's not a summer release because we'd already know about it. Right. Um, they'll announce it at E3 in June. So if it's coming out between before Christmas, basically, that's when we'll hear about it. Yes. Now, if it's coming out, if they've got a game coming out next year, which at this point is probably a little more likely than they may drop that in August at Celebration. 
yeah. at least a teaser. They, they're, not, they're still not going to show just because of the way competition works within video games. They're going to want to show it off at E3. So, yeah, there's no video game connected, at least with the early stages of Project this, of, the, of Project Luminous, but it could still happen. Yeah. And the success of Jedi Fallen Order probably increases the odds of that happening. I think you're definitely uh, right It sold that. over 10 million units, yep. which for a story-only game is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it beat their, you know, they were looking to sell, they were hoping for eight. Right. So it, it topped their expectations, which is great because it means we will probably get more of that type of game. Because that, you know, there's not a lot of people doing story games because they don't bring in the money they used to. Yeah. Online gameplay changed that. Once you could play games with other people, yep. story games kind of got shoved aside for... The social aspect. Yes. Just so it's like it's so bizarre because we've gotten like so much more social and so much more antisocial at the same time. Culture, you know, like even just within video games, it's like people, you know, play video games interacting with people all day long, but never actually meet those people face to face. It's just it's a weird world, love. That's Project Luminous. And we've got a few other things though. I wanted to kind of touch they showed a picture of a I thought it was a whiteboard, but now that I'm looking at it, I realize it's just a notepad, a big notepad. Mm -hmm. I will say I don't totally understand what the headings at the top of the board have to do with the things underneath them. Right. Fiction, Star Wars, and Star Wars Wishes? Some of those items are in multiple places in the list. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs is an interesting one. I don't know whose wish list that was on, but... Sith Empire is on this list. Sith Empire is... Okay, so there are some things. That's what I kind of want to do is go through this list. And let's just start with that. Like, you tell me we're going to get to see the Sith, whether it be the Sith followers, the Sith race, the Sith Empire. Sith Empire is more like what we saw in Knights of the Old Republic. Right. Where the Sith were not all necessarily even Force users. They were a... A group, just like the Republic exists, you have the Sith, which is mm -hmm. this whole other empire out there. Like the Nazis, they were right. the Sith. And they were the big villain mm -hmm. in the Knights of the Old Republic, was the right. Sith Empire, which were ruled over by these Sith Lords. Right. Now, the Sith Lords, I, I'm not sure where you go with the Sith, Sith Lords. Right. You Sith Force users. The Rule of Two has always been a really weird thing to me. Uh-huh. But... You know, as a kid, kind of going through the whole idea of the rule of two before we got books about it and, and all that. But, you know, going back to where we first kind of heard about it. I mean, I wasn't really a kid. You know, I was, in, you know, just out of high school. But Always two there are. Always two there are. Apprentice. But I never took that. At that point in time, I never took that to mean like there couldn't be multiple Sith Lords. There are only two. It means there are, they come in pairs. They come in pairs. They're not training in big academies like we saw in the Knights of the Old Republic games. Right. Where there were Sith Academies just like there were Jedi Academies. Yeah. That they trained in these big groups that now they've separated off where this Sith Lord trains his apprentice and there's not... There's not this collective. Because collectives of backstabbing people don't really work. Right. So I never. I always assumed that there could be a thousand Sith Lords out there, but they're doing their own thing. They're not. Right. And they, 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 the master and an apprentice, you know, again, they, they, they're a set basically. Right. So I always took the statement in the Phantom Menace about, you know, which one was this, the, master or the apprentice just to simply right. mean that if there was one there was definitely another one right exactly I, I never i never cared for the whole idea that there was only two right because in this huge galaxy that really doesn't play yeah and it seems unlikely it's also so i mean but you're right it's a really big galaxy and not only does it just seem unlikely that there are only two people that are just that evil it's not a sustainable, like, keep your 
religion alive system. Yoda talks, or they, they mention it's not Yoda. It might be Kiati Mundi that makes the statement about the Sith haven't been, been seen for a thousand years or mm-hmm. whatever his statement is. And I always rationalize that to be when the Sith broke off, the, that the academies, that the Sith training in these mm-hmm. big collective groups ceased to exist. They went underground, basically. Right. And I think that's a really reasonable assumption is that's the point where they sort of became a just master and apprentice sort of setup. Um, although it, it would seem that, that that speaker and Yoda have slightly diff- different information because Yoda knows that there's going to be two of them. Right. But see, the, if, if that's the case, if the thousand year mark is when the rule of two was instituted, basically, mm-hmm. when the Sith went underground, then... Then Yoda, yes, that's why Yoda would know. Because he was there. Well, right, but also that's why Yoda would know, yes, there's only, you're only going to, you're going to find a master and apprentice. You're not going to find the school of. Right, unlimited So those two things don't necessarily cancel each other out. True. So other things on our list, other than, uh, the Star Wars wishes list is is the most intriguing. Yes. Uh, Chaos agents. I, I like that idea that you've just got people there that are just the sorts of chaos in the galaxy, that they're there Chaotic simply evil. To, yeah. That they're there just to throw a wrench mm-hmm. in everybody's well-intended plans. Right. Yeah. And uh, the, the splinter group of force users, you know, that seems like something that's inevitable. I mean, just knowing how religion works... I mean, what religion is there that doesn't have splinter groups? Even your most coherent well, right. and if you religious go, structures. Exactly. And if you go up a couple there right above Sith Empire, it lists rival houses, mm-hmm. which don't necessarily have to be two different things. That seems very Dune. <clears throat> it's very Dune, very Game of Thrones, this mm-hmm. whole idea of these rival factions. Mm-hmm. But... That's that happens in any religion. Mm-hmm. Look at every major religion of the world and tell me how many sects of those religions exist. Right. You know, like I said, even even religions that pride themselves on their cohesion. You know, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. You know, they're one of the oldest and most cohesive religions, in you know, still in existence. But there are even still sects within Catholicism, and that's not even considering all of the offshoots in. That doesn't even get into the points where you had two popes because the church was split or into the Protestant Reformation. Right, exactly. And I mean, you look at Hinduism, I mean, you could, I mean, Buddhism is basically a, a splinter group of, of Hinduism. So yeah, I think the whole idea of splinter groups of force users or just individuals who just decide they're going to interpret the force for themselves, that's how it goes. That's yeah. how the religion game is played. Well, and this may be why we see, I mean, presumably the council is going to exist in some form, but maybe why the council had seized so much power. Yep. To try and keep everybody under control. Yeah. Which is, I mean, Keeping control is ultimately what led to the downfall of the Jedi. Right. Fear. That works well as a, you know, the recurring themes of what we've already seen. Yep. I'm not sure what Arthurian legends is supposed to have to do with anything. Okay, so they really, these these new Jedi that Mm -hmm. we're going to see, they're really kind of, as far as the role these Jedi are fulfilling in the galaxy, Mm -hmm. they really want them to feel more like the Arthurian legends. You're kind of your, your Sir Gawain kind of characters. You're Mm -hmm. sort of high minded, you know, noble and self-sacrificing. And yes, I can't help but notice that representation slash diversity is on this list more than once. So do we think that's going to be like just human characters who aren't, you know, have white skin or are we going to start to see some other really interesting aliens really taking a little more? It really needs to be both. I think so. I do hope that while this is diversity of... In an earth sense. In an earth sense. (laughs) That it's also diversity of aliens, because Mm -hmm. I I will not stop saying this. I will say this. I know I said it last week, but I will say it again. We need more crazy, weird, 
awesome aliens. Mm -hmm. In Star Wars, we do. We have so many great species that have been created. Keep giving them to us. Now, that being said, on the cover, one of the Jedi is a Wookiee. Yes. And it's going to be a a big character in one of those stories, at least. Mm -hmm. So hopefully some of both. And I think that's a good a good expectation. And I mean, I, that's what I, I think. I think that's one of the things that Star Wars needs to continue going forward. We need to continue to see the uh, universe get bigger. And like I said, if you look at the board, and I'll post a, a picture when I post the episode, but there's two things on the Star Wars wishes I don't understand, and that's university and dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a whole... Dinosaurs with an exclamation mark. university and dinosaurs, like, there's, like, a whole nother non-Star Wars story there. I mean, like... Dinosaur University. It's where you go, the dinosaurs go to learn to be scary and how to function with their little bitty arms. So it's kind of like Monster University, but with dinosaurs. With dinosaurs, exactly. I mean... That's what I'm getting. Isn't that what you're getting? Yeah. You have to make sure the dinosaurs has an exclamation point at the end, though. <laughs> like, the only exclamation point on the entire board is after dinosaurs. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I have no problem showing up on a planet where there's something very similar to what we know as dinosaurs. I mean, that's not an issue. Yeah. But I don't... <laughs> it's just... It's just a really odd thing that that's on the the Star Wars wish list. Yeah. Uh, but I don't understand what university means at all. Okay, so the only really place we've seen people educated is either in the Jedi Temple or in the Imperial Academy. So maybe we're going to get, you know, kind of exploration into... I mean, we know that there are universities on places like Alderaan, so maybe we're actually going to get, you know, stories of, of things that are going on. I mean, that, on. that would be great. I mean, that's fine, but this current line of stuff is very much focused on the Jedi, and I think we're very unlikely to see. Well, maybe we have Jedi universities instead of just a a temple. Yeah, maybe so. That's the best explanation I've got. I don't know. I mean, that's their wish list. Just because it's on this list doesn't mean it has anything to do with uh, what's happening. (laughs) Uh, So let's just kind of go down the middle list. Uh, Not pro-war. Interesting for a series titled... Star Wars. It is, but was Star Wars ever pro-war? No. I don't guess. It was the an It doesn't say we're not going to have war. We're not going to have conflict. Right. We're just not But the Jedi, I mean, going we're, after we're telling stories new. about the Jedi, and the right. Jedi were not supposed to be... Warriors. Right. Yeah. So... They're not supposed to be de facto generals, like they become during the Clone Wars. Right. Droids. Oh, yes. We love droids. We love droids, and we always need more droids, you know, so keep doing that. The next two are scope. And mythic. Mythic. But it's a little bit of an odd way to say it, but I really hope that means that the Force, especially when you look at, I still say that the greatest greatest source of kind of the mystical side of things Mm -hmm. that we've had in Star Wars has was the Clone Wars. Right. That that George and and Dave Filoni created. Yeah. Well Uh, the force is two two topics down on the list as well. Right. So hopefully those things we're going to see more mystical elements of the force. Right. And we're going to to take a deep dive back into that because frankly that's the those fantasy elements of Star Wars sometimes get left out. Oh yeah, for sure. In favor of just real practical things, you know, mm-hmm. like space battles and lightsaber duels. Right. <laughs> also on this list, in case anyone's wondering. And we absolutely need those. Yes. Big space battles, big lightsaber battles. Uh, Although they're not nearly so interesting in books as they are on screen. They're not, but they still need to occur. Yeah. And there because was a big... Especially when you look at this, if this is the building blocks of possibly movies down the road. Yeah. Then let's see the conflict. I want to see Shakespearean in battles. Spa- they fight. And space battles can be beautifully written in Star Wars. They've been done. I wasn't. Alexander Freed wrote the new Alphabet Squadron book. They did some space battles. Mm-hmm. They're they're okay. But Michael Stackpole wrote just incredible space battles in the X-Wing series. Right, right. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. So those can always be the interesting. There's there's so much going on to be described. 
yeah. in a space battle that they can be very interesting to, to read. No single main character. I mean, I think that gives people a lot more options about things to write about. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm fine with if down the road we want to tell the saga of a new family. Mm-hmm. Whether we pick the Skywalker saga back up or whether we, um, you know, go back to the Old Republic, the, the right. MMO game. Um, one of the ones you always go back to because I know how much you like those theatrical yes. uh, intros for those expansion packs. Those twins. The one with the two brothers. I mean, there are plenty of places where, yeah, you could step aside and say, we're going to tell a, another saga story about this mm-hmm. family. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's cool. And I, I mean, having no single main character, it just keeps everything from getting locked into that that one character. And mm-hmm. that's really the way a lot of the books were were that didn't include Luke mm-hmm. or Han or Leia in the in the old EU. I mean, there were those books existed. Right. So complicated monsters. Com- I guess I guess that's that that swamp thing critter I, is a complicated monster. The Phantom of the Opera is a complicated monster. He is. He's a very complicated monster. Do you expect the Phantom to show up in Coruscant? I mean, why not? Why can't we just tell the Phantom of the Opera on Coruscant? In space. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera in space. We we were re- I was just reading about Star Wars opera in in my my book earlier. <laughs> I think that's what the the world needs. So, somebody needs to get on that fanfic there. Phantom of the Opera in space. <laughs> All right, so let's go down their list of, of that's titled fiction, uh, which I think is their <clears throat> just describing how they want this universe, how they want mm-hmm. this galaxy to feel. Mm-hmm. Authentically lived in. Right. That's a must. Like Yes, for sure, which they've done a great job with. When, when you're, But especially when you're talking about that, I mean, anything you're writing, let's be yes. frank, anything you're writing should feel authentically lived in, whether it's Star Wars or otherwise. Yeah. Surprise. That's another one. It should just exist in storytelling. Yes. Um, yes. You don't want it to always be predictable. Uh, diversity, again, we already said, yes, that, that should be a thing, both within human dynamic and within aliens. Aliens. Or droids. Um, I, an actual things. ending. I don't. That one's worded a little weird and maybe almost a little. It, it just I, because of when it is, it's like almost like it's a little passive aggressive. It definitely comes off a little passive aggressive. But maybe what they're saying is they don't just they they don't want to just sort of leave this open ended into like and maybe it ties into the later stories. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe they want th- to have a definite story arc that ends here. Right feelings again your story should just have that yeah every story you write should connect with its audience every piece of literature should have feelings surprise and a feeling of and relatable characters and relatable quick yeah some of these seem a little obvious i mean these are like like if you were going to go like that's that's the recipe book for like if you want to write a story if you're teaching a high school creative writing class here are the things that you need Right. Sweeping, epic humor. Yep. Like, yeah, that's a Star Wars story. Yep. <laughs> and, I mean... It, now, in spite of the, my cut about it being a, a summary for a Star Wars, or for a high school creative writing class, that's pretty much distills down what what you need not to just make a story, but to make these stories work for the audience that they're intended for. No, there's nothing wrong with the list. Like, no. I'm not knocking the list. It's correct. Yes. But for a group of professional writers trying to distill, it's a little funny to me that they basically came up with the writing 101 yeah. list of what your story should have. Their handwriting is also much nicer than mine. Uh, now, th- that being said, that first list, yeah, it's very generic. Mm-hmm. Now, the other two, there's some interesting stuff in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mythical dinosaurs and... It doesn't say mythical dinosaurs. It just says dinosaurs. <sighs> it does if you read straight across. <laughs> mythic dinosaurs. I'm love. sorry, mythic mythic dinosaurs and Scope University. No. Um, Diversity Scope University. What? <laughs> <laughs> we know what this episode's called. Uh- <laughs> <clears throat> 
All right, so that's pretty much going to wrap us up for Star Wars news. I wanted to go ahead and mention, we'll probably talk about this on the Science Fiction area too, just because it's going to hit across the board. But Bob Iker stepped down today. What? How did I miss that? I guess I haven't been on the internet. I've been busy reading a book and um, not doing my responsibilities. Yeah. Now, we knew it was coming. Uh, he has talked retirement a couple of times and... You know, been talked out it's, of it, and it's been talked out of it. And I think he really was staying long enough to oversee the Fox acquisition, mm-hmm. which was his his thing. But he's he oversaw, I, he's overseen a lot. Uh, but the making in, of so including much, including Lucasfilm and Marvel, Marvel acquisitions and yeah. the Fox acquisition, he might have overseen the Pixar acquisition. Yeah, it's a lot of acquiring. So. It's kind of a shame to see him step down, but it's got to be a it's got to be a big stressful job, you know. And everybody deserves. Here's the thing: if he wants to take time off to spend with his family, he and his family deserve that, mm-hmm. you know. And I know there's always people who are like, "Oh, don't you care about the fans?" No, not as much as he cares about his kids, you know. I, and right. I think that that's but so we, we've known. I mean. It's a really big job. It's not the kind of job you can go do for 40 years. No. It's it's a really big job. And he decided several years ago it was time to step away. So it is not a surprise at all that he stepped down. Yeah. Uh, someone who's already at Disney, the current, I cannot remember his name. He's currently the head of Disney Parks. Okay. Is Who's been at Disney for like 25 years, I think, is stepping into the role. Okay. And Iger is staying until 2021 in a different capacity to help transition. I don't know that I don't think it necessarily means changes are coming or I think it's just the the Disney machine is just going to keep clipping away just like it's always done. Yeah, I think that's kind of where they're at at this point. I I think it's a a well-oiled machine that as long as someone doesn't come in and throw a wrench in it. Yeah. So I don't look for somebody to come in and start making big sweeping changes at Disney. But anyway, that's that's uh that's what I've got for tonight. That's the Star Wars news for the week. All right, Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me online on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans, princessesandpadawans.com, and eh, occasionally on Twitter. I am P Padawans. Do you see a trend emerging there? All right. I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can check out our brand new show that we're just three episodes into called The Science Fictionarian. You can check out all of our stuff at thesciencefictionary.com, including a built-in player for the podcast. I currently just course on Radio Underground, but hopefully soon we'll have a built-in player for the second show as well. You can drop us a line at Coruscant Radio Underground at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show. And until next week, may the force be with you.